We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 22nd day of April, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive, as usual. That's good. And also joining us today, somewhere between psychotic and iconic, is the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? It's been a while. It's good to see you. How are you? Uh, yeah, it, it, it has been a while. I'm um, fine and dandy. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, I hope you guys are too. I've suffered from a stiff neck for a, for a few days now. It, it just... The body seems to be shutting itself down, starting from the legs, working its way up, and and at the moment it's in the neck. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, I'm I'm absolutely great, mate. How are you? I'm doing uh, I'm doing okay. You know, I, I'm a happy guy when the sun is out, but when the sun goes away, I'm not a happy guy anymore. So I I need sunlight. I need warm weather. I need birds chirping. I need to see bees. I, I need to see yeah. Maybe, uh, farm animals. I need to see grass growing. That that kind of stuff. I need to see my vegetables starting. You know that that kind of stuff. And when that doesn't yeah, happen, yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally relate to that. What, what you're saying is you're sad. You've got seasonally no, no, acquired not, no, no, seasonally I'm not affected disorder. Yeah, I, I'm not sad. I'm. I don't know. It's just kind of gray. It's like, oh, come on. Right. I mean, like the sun comes out and then it, it hangs out for a few days. And then it's like, you know what? I'm just going to take a little break for a little while. I'll be back. But I don't know when. And it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's been beautiful here today. Isn't there some hormone, the happy hormone, isn't it triggered? Is it serotonin? Serotonin, by sunlight? endorphins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that, and of course, you get the lovely, life-giving, nurturing D3 out of sunlight as well. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Strong bones. Uh, it's It's been pushing 100 here, so... Already? Yesterday it was like ninety something. Today it's already nine ish. Yeah, already. Would you, yeah. would you move to the equator or something? Yeah. Would you pack up and, and yeah, move? You south? know, just before this, it was like thirty degrees, like a few days ago, uh, and now it's you know, yeah. It's that springtime weather in the Midwest, man. It's just like yeah. the violent swings between freezing. It's like you'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be snow on the ground. It's supposed to be like seventy degrees here uh, soon. Mm -hmm. Probably about forty at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll be honest with you. I really don't have a whole lot. Marty, since you haven't been with us for a few weeks, where do you want to start? What, what do you have on your radar? What's been going through your head the last few, uh, last few weeks since you haven't been here? I'm sure you got a lot on your plate, a lot on your mind. So let's just fly off the seat of our pants. Those usually end up being the best ones. So what do you have? What's on your mind? Well, let, let's talk about Boris. Oh, what a big liar I am, Johnson. Okay. For, for a All moment right. or two. Is this where he went to Ukraine to visit Zelensky and they both got the cock things? Did you see that? No. The, the what things? Cocks? They both got co given cocks. Did you see that? Cocks, as in penises. No, no, I mean chickens, as in roosters. Oh, chickens. Yeah. Sorry. Cockerels, then. Cockerels. Yeah, yeah the, that, you know, the, the pitcher things that you pour a liquid out of, that kind of stuff, yeah. Oh, no. No, I, I, no I, I'm afraid that. I, I, that, that, that one escaped me, but... Oh, um, oh that's too bad. I'll have to see no, I'm, I'm Go more, ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm more concerned about the fact that he's um, trotted off to India um, on, a, on a trade mission. Right at the time when the House 
are debating whether or not he misled Parliament and lied about Partygate and all the rest of it. And I've just seen him on the television, on the news, basically evading the question as much as he possibly could as to whether or not he will lead the Conservative Party into the next election. Um, the man's a liar. Um, he did mislead Parliament. He did attend parties. He has um, conned the nation and it's time for him to go. But who are we going to have in his stead? Some other WEF puppet will just slip into his place. Um, and heaven forbid the Labour Party should win an election because... Starmer is is as bought and paid for oh, as terrible. all of the major Tories. He's terrible. So I can't possibly I can't possibly vote for Liberal Democrats. You know, because I I got something just real quick on that. I'm sorry to interject, but this one was th this one really caught me out of left field. But just on that, because you said Starmer's unelectable, you said Corbyn was unelectable when he ran. I didn't say he was unelectable. I think he's very electable, as in Starmer? he will get he'll get votes. But for uh -huh. me personally, I don't see and our political scene uh -huh. and mood music is on a pendulum swing from left to right. And if it swings too far to the right, it will swing heavily back to the left. Mm. And that's how Corbyn almost made it in. But someone did an absolute hatchet job on the man's character. He did. Um, and, yeah, but you know, Starmer is he's nearly as much of, of a Tory as Tony Blair was. Oh, that's or true. Is. Yeah. Uh, and he yeah, managed to lead the Labour Party. That's and it, it makes him very electable. But me personally, I couldn't vote for him because I think he's as much a globalist elite puppet as Johnson is, as Blair was, as most of our cabinet is. So absolutely despising the Liberal Democrat stance on the United Kingdom leaving the European Union as I am, I can't vote for them either. There, There is no major party I can possibly vote for, and we have got local elections coming up. So if Johnson goes, who's going to replace him? And it's looking more and more like it's the richest MP in um, uh, in Westminster, mm. Richie Sunak, mm. um, is or is, is likely to, to be earmarked for the job. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I I saw something that came out of Jeremy Corbyn today, and that's why I brought him up, uh, it, which he, as you said, I'm pretty sure you said he was unelectable. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's why there was a Tory landslide the last time around. But he said something today that oddly I agree with. And that, that was that was really shocking to me. And I'm, I'm just going to quote that here. He says, NATO should be ultimately disbanded as it is a threat to world peace. Now, is this an opportunistic statement? I honestly don't believe he's wrong. In that statement at all. Don't forget, Corbyn never ended his membership of the campaign for nuclear disarmament. He was uh -huh. um, still a, a leading light in CND. And had he have made it to Downing Street at the last general election, you would have had someone who is an out-and-out -out pacifist in charge of the decision whether or not we use our deterrent. And um, that 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 could never do. We need someone as horrible and as abhorrent as, you know, the idea of of a nuclear release is you still need the person in charge to be willing 
if the need arises and he just would not have been. But the the real reason that Corbyn wasn't electable to the majority of the British public is the way he cozied up to so many absolutely guilty terrorists, Martin McGuinness, Jerry Adams, who was the head of um, Hamas or Hezbollah, Yasser Arafat, uh, Yasser Arafat back in yeah. the day. Don't yeah, back in the day, you know, Corbyn was, was there meeting with these people. And... You know, I'm sure it was all with good intentions, uh, you know, intentions to kickstart and and um, and fuel his political career as well as a way of seeking peace. But we all know that the road to hell is paved with those good intentions. And subsequently, Corbyn being at the forefront of Labour meant that the Tories got an absolute massive majority because Corbyn was unelectable, which has allowed the Tory party to run roughshod over Westminster for the last two and a half to three years. On that point, I know we're talking about UK politics, but on that point, since we're talking about elections and and possibly people being replaced, are you paying attention to what's going on in France? Because we've got French elections coming up within, we're inside of a week now. Well, I know Marine is making a real big show of things. and she um, is, yeah. But is it going to be another one of those situations where in just a, a single What's the word I'm looking for? Term. Within a single term, if she's gone again, just the same as Donald Trump was the popular choice, he seemed to have connected with the working people of France, the Fra- France's poorest people. And Marine Le Pen is making those kind of connections. There is an enormous gulf between the middle classes and the working class in France. And We've seen what, ha- what has happened at least a couple of times, once during the 17th century and once during the 18th century with the French revolutions. You know, there, there is this gulf between France's haves and have-nots, and she is making big inroads into getting those have-not votes. She is... Um- I I think she really to be honest with you I think she there's a lot of mail in voting that goes on in France and to be quite honest with you I don't think that she actually lost the last time I could be mistaken but uh, I was just listening to uh, other French MPs at the time that were making appearances on uh, some of the English television news networks and things like that and they're like look we've tried to fight this the entire way through because they've got a lot of territories around the world and all of those colonies territories whatever you want to call them uh, they all do mail in voting. And usually they only vote as a block one way. And it's all th- it's all done through mail-ins and things like that. And sometimes they'll get five, six, seven, eight ballots per person and it can't be verified, but they count them anyway. If she had won the last time officially, then we wouldn't be in this mess right now, I don't think. Um, but you know what? I-, I think she stands a very good chance this time when she goes out somewhere and she steps out of a vehicle or whatever. Now, you can say that some of those crowds are staged. Sure, right? We we do that for, you know, political posturing and showing that is, oh, look how popular they are, that kind of stuff. But I don't see those kinds of crowds when Macron goes out there. I, I don't see those kind of crowds at all. In fact, I was watching a, a public display the other day of Macron out in the crowd, shaking hands with the people, you know, the whole everything, you know, the cameras are all over. And this one cameraman asked him a question. I mean, he's he's literally face to face with him, asked him a question. Macron says, do you do you have a problem with the way that I govern? And he the, the Frenchman says specifically, he says very politely, he says, you've got to be possibly the worst president I have ever seen on camera, on, on national TV in, in front of everybody. Yeah. And uh, I, I just 
I, I understand that the the whole Le Pen thing, her her father, you know, the I, I think that was a whatever. I, I'm not entirely clear on the campaigns that he used to run back in the day, but a lot of people equate that to what she does. But when I hear her talk about things like dropping the value added tax from 22 or is it 20? Whatever it is. It's over 20 percent. Dropping it from over 20 percent down to five uh, or eliminating it entirely, pulling France out of NATO, pulling France out of the European Union putting all the money that they've got back into the French economy. I, I like those types of things. I, I like getting away from the, the EU and these centralized organizations and getting back to a decentralized system. I like that. But again, the American side of me says, I don't like the socialism. I don't like the socialism. I don't like the government handouts. I can't stand it. When I see a candidate like her or uh, one of these uh, alternative candidates or like, uh, I don't even know who I could equate it to in uh, in the UK at the moment. But when I see these parties that pop up or these, these populist candidates that come out on the European side, it's a little bit different for me because I see them as left-wing candidates. And that's the American side of me. When I see the government handouts, that usually in America, that comes typically from the left. The right doesn't give out uh, uh, handouts. So a lot of people say, and I, I laugh at this, people say, oh, uh, Marine Le Pen, she, it, her and her party, they're on the far right. No, they're not. Not in my opinion, not the way I see things. They're, they're not on the far right. In my opinion, they're on the far left. Now, there's other arguments you can have as far as like left parties or communist parties. You actually have a communist party. There's a communist candidate that actually has uh, a, a quite a big uh, representation in this uh, in this next election. But uh, that's Jean-Luc Mélenchon. But uh, it's going to be Le Pen and Macron in the runoff. And honestly, I, I like the stuff that she says. I, I like the whole immigration stance that she takes. I like the uh, the getting out of the European Union, getting out of NATO and, and, and the World Health Organization, getting out of the UN kind of stuff. I, I like all that. Putting focus on the French people. I like that. I don't like the handouts. That is a deal breaker for me almost. The issue is that it's the, the left's way of winning votes is to offer people Yes. Um, yes. Free stuff. Then you brought that um, up in the last general election you guys had was the handouts, the the Marxism. Yeah, that, the, the, all the that idea stuff of they're, everyone they're gets free Wi Fi. Yes, everybody's everyone getting gets free stuff. This, everyone gets that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I've got no problem with uh, a truly social government, not a socialist, but a social government, a government that actually cares about all levels of its society. And the people that have been largely overlooked and ignored are those low earners. But as you say, they say she's of the far right. But let's remember that the furthest right people in history, the Nazis, were in fact national socialists. And it's it was actually a rival so Marxist party in the beginning. It was, yeah, it was it, a rival it, Marxist it, party. A lot of people think that it's the you know fascism is the natural enemy of communism. Uh, and and they're at loggerheads, but they're they're actually two dogs fighting over the same bone, and and they both have the same purpose for that bone. What we actually need is governments that really care and will really do the thing that Boris keeps gobbing off about, but no no one's seen in any of it really is leveling up, giving equal opportunities to the lower earners to give them a chance to to achieve but that should not be at the expense of young people from the higher earning bracket shall we say um it, it shouldn't be 
positive discrimination because that's still discrimination. It should be just give them the opportunities, improve that their level of, of education, improve their level of health, improve their life expectancy, improve their ability to earn so that they can spend their own money on further educating themselves if necessary so that they do start. So we have got this this movement between the classes, between working class to middle class to you know the ultra rich. I won't say the upper class, but essentially we, we, we still have those things in this country and we've got them in most countries. Unless the country's been through uh, a period of communist rule, you still have an upper class, a middle class and a lower class. And as I've said many times in in these podcasts, the UK now has an underclass. And these are the people whose parents, grandparents, both sets of generations have been on benefits. Some of them have, have never worked in their lives because they've they've been used to these handouts. And I think that's where you're coming from, isn't it? With with this this welfare handout, mm-hmm. it actually yep. encourages the laziest amongst us to remain out of a job because a little while ago i think we had 2.3 million unemployed long-term unemployed in the uk and that was the lowest it had been for quite some time that figure during the covid lockdowns i think rose slightly but there are jobs out there for, for those that that want to go and get them if there weren't then we wouldn't have jobs for all of the migrants, the financial migrants that are coming from European countries. You guys got a lot of cars. From Asia, from North Africa. There are jobs and they're, and they're going into jobs. So You've got a lot of cars to wash. The pop-up car wash, the roadside pop-up yeah. car washes. <laughs> yeah, wash your own cars and stop allowing illegal immigrants to gain national insurance numbers, please. That's my <laughs> plea to the British people. Um but they should be real jobs. So so that's what I want to see from a government, um, a social government, a government that really does concentrate on fairness and allowing that opportunity to level up, not doing the job themselves, making, oh, we've leveled that up. No, you haven't. You, you've, you've thrown some money that you've just printed at a problem, and the problem is still there. You, you make it sound like the government should actually work for people. How'd you get on this podcast? <laughs> mm. uh, I beg your pardon. Uh, you're saying that I sound like the government don't actually work for people. <laughs> no, no, of course not. I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, That's okay. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Do you think Macron will uh, will get back in? Or do you think... Uh, do you think yeah, al- almost certainly, because I, I think he'll get back in, because uh, Le Pen has been tainted with the brush of of the far right and yeah. um France is the majority of, of French people are are socialist of mind as in yeah. that the, they're working class are, are socialist in in their thinking and their ideology oh. the the yellow vests the, the yellow vest protesters which you've you've commented on them uh gilets jaunes yeah, the gilets yeah. jaunes yeah they uh they're protesting against Macron now in in uh in Paris every week uh, and in and in, uh, and in uh, Lyon, in Bordeaux, in Nice, in in all these these major cities over there, they're protesting against him. Doesn't he need that support? They were for him last time. I'm sure he does need that support. And I may have gone off a bit early in saying that Le Pen doesn't stand a chance. But I, uh, you just find anyone that's um, had the media 
treatment, you know, the the adverse media treatment, and that they have been called far right, Nazis, fascist, or whatever. Um, when it comes to general elections, that they the the people are still believing what they're told on the TV and and on the radio. So unless France has has got a a better um you know group of mainstream media channels than we have um in in the UK I don't I don't see them um painting her in 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 a pretty way at all let me let me throw in a uh a wrench into that uh, see if I can um so le pen is um her stance is basically anti eu She's she's more of a nationalistic type, right? It, more for the country first and and, and whatnot. Um, uh-huh. So the EU decided uh, they're going to cancel their deal with Russia, right? Which uh-huh. means your gas prices in the EU will be going up. Oh yes. Now the average French French person is going to feel that their their prices are going to go up. Now you have a politician that's saying we're going to get out of the EU and do our own thing. Basically, uh, do you think that would help her at all? Ha- having the uh, EU get rid of Russian gas and, and, and causing the prices to skyrocket? Well, it's a good question, considering uh, she said that she will bring the, the, the value-added tax down to, I think, what, less than 5% on like all, 5%, yeah. Yeah, all, all essential things, such as like uh, home heating, natural gas, and all that stuff. She also said that she would rehire immediately and pay the back salaries of all the fired healthcare workers because of the, uh, the non-compliance with the COVID jabs that they were fired for. So, uh, sorry, Marty, I didn't mean to, to interject on you there. Go ahead. This is uh, by no, the way. No, this is that... footage. I'm. This is footage. I'm rolling. This is. Uh, I know the listener can't uh, can't see this obviously, but the footage I'm rolling here. This is fake Russian banknotes that uh, showed up out in front of Le Pen's headquarters that they tried to throw all over the place and have the mainstream media out there saying she was taking pallets of Russian money. Well, I don't think she's probably taking pallets of Russian money. No. Um, but if she wants France out of the European Union, and let's face it. The European Union was set up to ensure that France didn't become Europe's battlefield again by linking its agricultural economy to the German industrial economy. And if she takes France out of the EU, it will benefit the rest of Europe, in in my opinion. It, It will benefit the rest of Europe because it will give the rest of them the courage to tell Brussels where to stick their mandates and all the rest of it. And they can then deal as independent countries with other independent countries, such as the Federation of Russia, and buy their oil and gas as they wish. So um, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there is a chance that the pen can can actually pull this off. You know, I remember I was in Hamburg at the time and I was in my hotel room. This was right after Macron was elected. And I remember he was doing an interview in English. And I don't know if you've ever heard him speak English before on, on an, uh, an English network. He speaks very good English. He really does. He, uh, he was giving an interview. The host asked him, will there be a French referendum to leave the European Union? And Macron said specifically, I could not believe I actually heard this. He said specifically, he said, no, we can't have this referendum. And 
the presenter asks, well, why not? And he says, because the French people would vote to leave. That interview was scrubbed everywhere. You can't find it. It's gone. It's memory hold. You'll never see it. But I specifically remember him saying that. The way in which the, the French farmers protest at at their ports every time they want. I think it's great. Well, Bruce and I watch I, them. They, I, they turn their manure spreaders onto the onto the police officers. They turn them on at the uh, at the council buildings, the parliament houses. I, I think it's great. But they they stopped quite successfully the the export of British lamb to France. Well, good because the French have their own you know sheep herds and and um, produce their own beef and produce their own lamb and and pork and all the rest mm. of it. So why on earth should one country be selling its food to another country when that country is capable of uh, of, of producing it themselves? So I'm I'm with the French farmers at that point. Obviously, at that time, the UK was still part of the EU, and it was British farmers that were suffering because the French government didn't keep its own people in check in those protests took place. But I can't on one hand say that I want people to protest against corrupt governments and at the same time say, oh, I don't like your protest because we can't sell our lamb. Well, we're out of that horrible organisation now, although we're still suffering um, from that organisation. What happened, in, speaking of that, because of the food thing, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point. And we, we talk, we've discussed this in the past. You've got uh, utility companies in the UK that are owned by French companies, as in like your water. You know, you, you turn on your, your water and, and the water that comes out of your tap is owned by a French company. And you said, how on earth did that happen? I remember you saying that once. I guess maybe that's a side issue. But more to that point, you guys had an issue there of, uh, of fishing rights or something with the French here not too long ago uh, across the channel. And that, um, that, that turned out to be kind of, it, it got heated a little bit. Uh, did, that, did that sort itself out? Your guess is as good as mine because COVID stopped the reporting on it. Right when that was at, at its height, when there were the discussions going on and things were getting a bit heated and we were thinking about deploying the Navy to patrol the Channel and uh, our, our, in, you know, our national waters, COVID happened. And quick as a flash, everyone forgot all about the fishing rights. But families who have traditionally fished in British waters from France... All they had to do was prove their historical right, and they would be grant would be granted licenses. I think that's how things were left. Um, and our fishing fleet, the British fishing fleet, has been depleted because the French and the Spanish factory fishing was, and and the Nor, you know, the 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 Scandinavian uh, fishing of the North Sea was so intense uh, and so much bigger than our fishing industry that our our fishermen just packed up or or they um diversified into other forms of fishing um you know the smaller stuff the the shell fishing the crab fishing lobster fishing mm. oysters those kind of things um and our fishing fleet has got smaller and smaller and smaller because we were buying all our fish through the EU at a um subsidized cost uh but yeah the discussion was going on it seemed a fairly clear-cut thing that had to happen. People just had to prove that they've fished these waters for years, if not decades, and they would be granted licenses. But as soon as the pandemic kicked in, um, all the reporting about that disappeared. Hmm, that's quite interesting. Um, Is it? 
It, it is. Uh, no, it is. It's, that's quite interesting. So it is. Like, hey, Marty, Marty, that was boring as hell. No, no, it's it's, it's interesting because that that was something that was uh, it was an agreement that you've had for quite some time, and now all of a sudden it's just what nobody cares now. I mean, a, a food situation. We're we're in the middle of a well, what looks to be a global famine that's on the horizon. And it's been created, I, hasn't it? It it's has. Been, yes. It's been created. It has. It's been deliberately deliberately created so that. Um, Sovereign nations are reliant on other nations, which is for exactly their your point. Supply chain, which is exactly your and, point, and you just shouldn't be. That I I completely concur with you. You you know it 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 has to be. How, how do I put this? I'll just use my my age old saying that I've been saying to people for years, and they look at me like I have a second head sewn on my shoulders. The way forward is the way backwards. You've got to revert back. It is. You've got to it, get away from this commercialized farming. You got to get away from it. It, it is. Look, look. When it comes to foodstuffs and and beverages, no one can fault um, French wine. It's it's the best no, in the amazing. world. Yeah, okay, it's, it's fantastic. Certain French cheeses are the best in the world. I don't know. Hold on. Hold so on, hold when on. that uh, hold on, I, I got to stop you there. Irish cheddar. I, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Oh well, I said certain ones. Certain the, the, ones. The yes, French yes. aren't. The French are are much better at the softer cheeses. Yeah. I love whereas, I love camembert. I love camembert cheese. Yeah. Well, we all do. We all love That's camembert amazing. and brie. Brie's my oh, favourite, yes. I think. Yes, I love brie. Uh, of the yeah. soft cheeses. Mm-hmm. So when it's a luxury item like that, because you can go and buy some locally produced cheddar here in the UK or some nice red Leicester or some Wensleydale or something like that, uh, or Caerphilly. Um, Stilton. Stilton, exactly. You, you, you can buy them here, but if you want um, a luxury cheese, uh, something imported, then you should pay the right price for it. You should pay the money extra that it's cost to transport that uh, cheese from the middle of France across the channel to your supermarket. With and, the markup and, so, and the tax and everything else that, that yeah, the vendor gets because they have to pay it too. Absolutely. So so that would encourage people to eat that kind of product less often and they would eat more of their homegrown stuff. <laughs> That would be if their farms hadn't been reduced to next to nothing by the fact that Europe were, were you know, mainland Europe were overproducing and we were buying it in and our farmers. I know that the the milk quotas ended some time ago, but British dairy farms sold their quotas to German dairy farms and French mm. dairy farms because... They made more money out of selling the quota each year than they would have done out of producing the milk. And the farmers were actually, it's funny you say that because the farmers were actually losing money on that per liter uh, that they would produce. And like they would, they would end up selling, um, uh, what was it? I, I want to say it's been a while. I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head because uh, it's been a few years now. But the farmer would charge, they would have to charge uh, 80 cents a liter for, for milk. That would, and it would, they would, um, let me see, they would work it up to, I think it was around almost one euro, but the supermarkets were charging 49 cents a liter for milk. And so what are they supposed to do? You're literally like the farmers are being priced out of business by the supermarkets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that, that's one of the reasons that the UK voted to leave the European Union because there was so much unfairness about the whole common agricultural policy. But it, it was worse than that, of course, because there's all the other bits and pieces, all the other laws and edicts that have been handed down to us from Brussels that advantage mainland Europe and disadvantage the UK. 
we we'd all love each other a lot more. We're we're neighbours, and we've we've fought in wars for and against each other over over the centuries. But we 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 should get we should, we should be getting on an awful lot better. But the European Union drives wedges between countries that want to do deals with each other by insisting that that deal is open to everybody, and and it all has to go through their books and and their legislation and under their terms and conditions. And so getting back to Marie Le Pen, or is it, is it, it's Marine, isn't it? Marine, Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, getting back to that lady. You can just say mother. If she manages to get elected and she takes France to the point of referendum, then maybe uh, Macron's prophecy will come true. That would definitely be the final nail into uh, the EU's coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I was actually saying last night, uh, to Bruce, I uh, actually I think it was on podcast. Even I said they need to have France and Germany for this EU to stay together. They need both of them. If they don't have both of them, that's it. Like that, that's the end of it. Uh, but I want to shift well, up here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, just one final thing. Then you look at a country the size of Ukraine, which is not a, an EU member. Mm-hmm. If France goes, Ukraine has enormous tracts of arable land it grows more wheat than any other country in the world it would be prime just to take over and that uh, and, and be welcomed into the fold but of course under brussels control and really at the end of the day brussels control if france leaves the eu would actually be germany's control yeah so it's yeah. that it's there they're, they're waiting in the wings we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens you know, I'm actually I'm glad I'm glad that I let you uh, that I let you finish up there on that point because you brought up Ukraine. Well, that's a good segue because the conflict between Russia and Ukraine has caused a lot of problems, hasn't it? It has. It's caused a lot of problems. Everybody's banning everybody. Everybody's got a political statement. If you're not for Putin, then you're uh, you're pro Ukraine, and then you need to wear the Ukraine mask and wave the flag and have the jab and everything else. And if you're pro Putin, well, then you're canceled everywhere, and you're just the same as a COVID denier. Uh, it, it's incredible how they uh, how they work this stuff. But you're familiar, obviously. Uh, this is a stupid question for me to even ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You're familiar with the tennis tournament at Wimbledon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wimbledon has banned. Hear me on this one. They have banned Russian players from competing in the tournament. And in fact, it doesn't stop just there. You would think that's bad enough. It doesn't stop just there. They've gone further. The committee at Wimbledon, they have said that even those who display ideological differences won't be allowed to take part in the tournament. Well, that's the first I'm hearing of this. Obviously, I have no influence uh-huh. over over the Lawn Tennis Association. Do, do you hear how ridiculous um, this is? Well, it, it is absolutely ridiculous because tennis and tennis players are the most selfish, self-centered um, individuals on the planet. They're not team players. I know they play doubles, but it's yeah, always two. Yeah. They, yeah, they play doubles, but it's two singles players put together to play the doubles and the mixed doubles. They're selfish people. Their entire life, to get to play <laughs> at Wimbledon, their entire <laughs> life has been spent yeah. practicing a sport that only one person plays against another person. It's not a team sport. They're not team orientated. They're probably nationless, really. They don't give a tinker's toss about which country um, would, you know, that they'd be playing for. They're not. They're playing for themselves. So for them to ban the Russians is pretty... 
Why don't you tell us how you really feel? I think I just did. I've got a couple of things I want to say about the whole Russian, yeah, yeah, please, go Ukraine ahead. conflict, go but but we can get to that after we've All right. dealt with I've this complete some, nonsense. Yeah, I've got some quotes here from uh, from the uh, the British Minister for Sport, uh, Nigel Huddleston. He says Russians would have to display their ideological conformity to the current narrative surrounding the conflict to be able to take part. We need this is a quote. We need some potential assurance that they are not supporters of Putin, and we are considering what requirements we may need to try to get some assurances along those lines. Well, he's talking what we like to call bollocks, isn't he? Because he didn't say they need to demonstrate the truth about what's going on in, in the Ukraine and Russia. He said they need to comply with the narrative. Right. All right, so so that's a Freudian slip straight away. He he's totally revealed his hand and and the truth of the whole matter. This is a nice segue into what I wanted to say. Please. Um, there is no good guy in this war. Putin is an egotistical um, Napoleon complexed nut job, but Ukraine is a cesspit of corrupt money and globalist dealings. Now, the truth of the matter is. As someone who's been a soldier and in the Royal Navy, I've never been asked to tie anyone's hand behind their back and blindfold them and shoot them in the back of the head. That is not the sort of thing that a nation's army does. They haven't got the time for a start. If you're on an operation, if you're on a, a, a tactical advance, you haven't got time to hand tie and blindfold everyone you're going to pop off. If you're going to kill someone, you, you just wouldn't bother with all that nonsense. You also wouldn't bother digging a shallow grave, a shallow mass grave, and covering it all over. Those bodies in Bucha are almost certainly the Russian-speaking people that weren't happy about having Russian taken away as one of the languages um, in the Ukraine. And it was probably those neo-fascist paramilitaries that did the job uh, of blindfolding, handcuffing, and then burying in a mass grave of the people that they had assassinated. It's not how an army does things. You haven't got time for those kind of atrocities when you're advancing with armour and, and trying to take real estate. Yeah, you'll herd people up. You may even kill some that try to resist that, and I'm talking civilians there. This whole thing is just staged to give sympathy to the Ukraine and to make someone who I've already called an absolute monster, Putin, uh, even worse than he is. And you know, we're actually sending another $800 million in in an aid and arms package to Ukraine. Biden just signed off on it uh, again yesterday. And I believe that Boris is, uh, well, Boris was actually just there and he made a deal for, I want to say it was like 50 million pounds not too long ago uh, to do something similar. You've got- uh, Oh, there, there's, there's been all sorts of, um, of arms moving their way into the Ukraine, all kinds of systems that um, are, they're, they're off the shelf ready to go um, air defense systems, anti-armor systems, all being shipped into Ukraine and just fueling the conflict uh, and, and making it last a lot longer than it should have done. It's, it's even worse, uh, some of the stuff that the US is sending. 
not only are we sending the um, aircraft, the armored uh, vehicles, the tanks, the anti-air, the anti-tank, the small arms, uh, we're, we're, we're sending all that hardware over there and, you know, the, the uh, explosive charges and whatnot. Um, we're also digging into our uh, strategic fuel reserves. Now, I thought, my understanding was, uh, that was to lessen the burden on the American people, right? Because we're feeling the pain of of uh, inflation and uh, you know the the Putin's fault that the gas prices are so high, according to the Biden administration. No, it's worse than that. Those strategic oil reserves are actually being sent to Ukraine and Europe to help uh, them and their whatever. Instead of opening up our own, uh, um, they've barred oil companies from. Making new drilling sites, new—they're—they're they're not allowing new drilling in the U- U.S. Um, there's a court that ruled that they have to allow new drilling, and the the Biden administration said, yeah, "All right, we'll we'll open it up. Twenty percent is all they're going to open up." So instead of increasing our production and then shipping it to the rest of the world and putting the hurt to Russia that way, we're canceling off, shutting down our own production, pulling from our oil reserves, and we've been doing this since November, by the way. This wasn't told to the American people. This was quietly done. They weren't telling us that they were sending this overseas. Uh, they were telling us, oh, this is to lessen the, the, the prices at the gas pump for you. One of these days, the great British public, because I can only speak for the great, great British public. Uh, in fact, I can't really even speak for them. All I can say is how I feel. We'll wake up and see how all these things link together. You must have heard in the news about the, the new plan to... Um, have the um, immigration and asylum center in Rwanda. I heard about that uh, yesterday, actually. I heard about that as Boris was in India championing immigration, saying, I'm going to make it easier for immigrants to come from India to to the UK. I thought you already did that. Uh, It's being set up with all the infrastructure and the offices in Rwanda. but but yeah, but that, that's Rwanda. They're gonna do like that's isn't that supposed to be reverse? Like they're, they're gonna be re what they're gonna be deported. Well, the idea is that they they will be processed in another country. And Rwanda are happy uh-huh. to have. I guess have, have, have the have the funds that uh-huh. we'll be providing Rwanda with um, to to let that process happen on their soil. But what we've got at the moment, or what we did have, the Arab Spring set off that in in motion that big migrant swell across North Africa, into the Levant, into Europe, across through Greece, through mainland Europe, and to the shores of of Calais, and for for people to get into the UK. And so then we had the people in in the small boats coming across, and we still have, on a daily basis, got small people being um, trafficked across the channel at great risk. But now, of course... Where are those people going to go? They're going to go to Rwanda. They're going to go to Central Africa. We did a whole piece on um, Agenda 2030 and the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Where does the United Nations want to move all of its industry to? China. Where does it want? It wants to move it to China. It wants to move it into Africa. It wants to move it into India. And it wants to move it into South America. Africa, that's, uh, that's India and China. Yeah, because most, they most they own China. India. Yeah. India and China own most of Africa now. Yeah. It's as simple yeah. as that. China even owns large chunks of Australia. So yeah. this movement of people into Central Africa 
to go through, I'm doing the air quotes thing, asylum and migration processes, they're going to wind up in a place where there'll be jobs for them. They're going to wind up where they're needed. And in the meantime, all of those 3 million, 4 million by now, perhaps people who've left Ukraine and fled Ukraine into um, Western Europe are going to need homes. They're going to need jobs. They're going to, but because they are now zero asset people who will take any job that's offered them any accommodation because they are desperate. Their desperation has been deliberately created and exacerbated by this new war. And this new war is being furthered by Britain with the aid we're given, by the aid that the United States are given. And as I said, there's no good guy in this war. All there are are victims. And those victims are those people who are on their toes now, marching to the borders, getting on trains, getting on buses, being shifted to who knows where and possibly even Central Africa. So one of these days, when an honest journalist or news presenter reads some truth rather than the narrative, which is the word that um, Matey said about, you know, Russian tennis players must show that they are conforming to the narrative. Yeah, until until someone in the media starts telling the truth, people are just not going to join up the dots. So it's down to us to have a, an open discussion about it. And we could we could be wrong. But I don't feel wrong. I don't know how you guys feel. I feel quite right about this. Yeah, I, I would. I would also like to point out, uh, now that we hit it on it again, um, the uh, the sports thing. There, you, you've got to stick with the right narrative. That's the same thing that happened under COVID. Uh, with, with that whole, you you have to stick with the right narrative. It was nothing about science or any of those things. It was all about narrative. That fits in with the Great Reset, the uh, Klaus Schwab agenda, the uh, social credit system agenda. You, you, you tout the line of what we say, you know, the narrative we say, and then you get to have some benefits like you get to play in your sports or you get to, um, you know, have a livelihood. Tennis players, trust me, they are that selfish. They'll do it. They're, they haven't got that. They're, they're, they're stateless. All, all they're concerned about is being as good at knocking that little yellow ball from one side to the other as they possibly can be. Not Djokovic. And. Yeah, stand fast, one very proud and and honourable man. And yeah. but look what happened to him. Yeah. Look what happened to him and, and how he was dragged through it by that filthy Australian government. Yeah, Mr. Dan Andrews. Yeah, he's actually in our intro. You know, the guy that doesn't know doesn't know what all the pro people. Yeah, are I don't know what about. they're moaning about. I, I don't know what the problem is. I'll tell you what the problem is, Andrews. Is his name Andrews? Andrews it's yeah. you, son. You're the bloody problem. And one of these days, some bogan is going to bump into you in the street. A bogan, by the way, is, is the um, well, it, it's the Australian version of a chav or, or your your rednecks uh, is going to bump into you and give you the hiding you deserve. And I, I, I really hope someone's got their iPhone ready to capture that bastard. I really do. <laughs> our uh, our Aussie listeners will did, appreciate what you just said. Did you well, know I hope that so. uh, Australia removed almost all of their, if not all of their, restrictions? Oh, you mean they shut down the, uh, the, the, uh, well, their concentration internment they, camps. They shut them, yeah. They shut yeah. them down. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys heard that reported anywhere that Australia no. is? Yeah. We've got an Australian friend visiting in, in a few weeks time and, uh, we're really looking forward to seeing her. I don't know why I'm talking with the, with an Australian twang. I can't help it. Whenever I talk about Australia, I've you worked with the, a lot of these guys. You read the ad earlier from the, uh, the hot cross, but we'll talk about that in a second. We go ahead. Yeah. 
Well, uh, it's um, so they're able to travel, uh, but they're only able to travel if they're vaccinated. Simple as that. That's, that's not our rules. It's their no, rules. So, no, you don't have to apologize for your uh, for your Aussie accent when you uh, when you talk, Marty, because I was actually showing this to you earlier. Uh, you get a free hot cross bun if you go and you uh, you get a jab on uh, any of the uh, the ten vaccination hubs that they have um, they have set up in Victoria, where Dan Andrews, who you were just talking about, is the premier of that, and he's. I'm sure he's arranged, and the health minister down there has arranged that these uh, these organizations, they at these hubs, they give six packs of uh, of hot cross buns to the first hundred people that show up to get. Yeah, boost. not just any six pack, traditional hot cross bun six pack from a local baker's delight bakery. Um, <laughs> it's well, let's face it. In the states, they were getting free McDonald's or a McFlurry or uh-huh. or some other kind of enticement. Here they I were think- here they were giving out 150 euros a free bratwurst sandwich, and you would get a beer. Well, that's got something to be said for it. at least there's a beer involved. But um, <laughs> I would I would I would try and do what this guy. And I'm going to mention him by name, uh, and I don't care because I never liked him. This was in Amman in probably 1984 and we were all very very skint you know we we were poor we had no money because we'd just spent a week in the Seychelles and prior to that we'd had three weeks in in Mombasa in Kenya so none of us sailors had any money and we were alongside in Muscat and a bus came to pick us up and take us to the local hospital where they would pay us uh, the equivalent of $50 for a pint of blood and I was sat there on my bench, table, chair, whatever you'd like to call it, pumping a, a tennis ball in my hand as I gave my pint of blood to go and get my $50 worth of um, Amani currency so that I could go to a bar later that evening and have a few pints of, of very expensive lager. Well, in walks BJ, picked up a small piece of cotton wool off of the floor put it in the crook of his elbow, walked up to the cash desk and got paid. In fact, he'd been doing it all week and they still hadn't figured out. I suppose we must all look alike to them. You know, he he got 250 bucks by going to this place every day for a week and pretending that he'd given blood. And I I would advocate that the Aussies should go to the the, the pop-up vaccination stations, pretend they've had a vaccine, get their six-pack of hot cross buns and and enjoy them. But don't do what Ned does to a hot cross bun. It's disgusting. He puts cheese and Marmite in a hot cross bun. Oh, God. The only thing... The only thing that should be in a hot cross bun is is a, is a nice thick coating of butter after it's been toasted, and then you've got you, you've got an ideal Easter snack. Oh, marmite and cheese on a on a cross a hot cross. Oh, that just I know, I know. That, that, that. But that's Ned for you. You know, you, you want a controversial guy. You can expect some controversial uh, and quite unique um, uh-huh. eating habits. Uh huh. That is true. I caught this out of the UK this week as well. The NHS is hiring uh, at the moment. They're hiring uh, COVID pass delivery managers. Uh, here's an ad for. The, let me see. These are uh, two of them are in Leeds. Uh, one is. Let me see. This is from uh, one job listing is uh, Jobby Jabba. The other one is Work Circle UK. The other one is ZipRecruiter UK. Thought we were over the uh, uh, the COVID passes in the UK. Apparently not, huh? Clearly not. Um, I saw that advert as it popped up on on my Facebook feed. Sorry, my fastbook feed. 
and I was Jeez, disgusted you're then. You're on fascist book uh, still? Yeah, and I'm trying to get banned again, but it doesn't matter what I say now. I think all 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 the fact checkers and moderators must have been seen off and, and got rid of as a result of COVID. Nice. Um, because I have called some people some, some fairly offensive names of late uh, and I haven't been banned for a while. You know, every time I see some someone spouting off about, you know, the narrative and and how on side they are with it and 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 all the rest of it. I, I will respond same as I do on Twitter, but I have noticed I'm being even further ghosted on Twitter. But what I was going to say is that I saw that advert when it popped up, and it immediately sprung to mind the last time I went to our main hospital. And at the doorway, there's this long scaffold pole marquee, and there were four security guards stood there doing absolutely nothing because I just walked past them maskless, walked in, didn't use the hand sanitizer and, and walked to my appointment. They did nothing to stop me. They are just being employed as COVID goons and, and doing absolutely nothing. I'm glad they're doing nothing, but I'm I'm equally mad as hell that they are being paid by my taxes to do nothing. And, and these COVID past transport managers come on come on look please britain just see through it and and start saying no we're going to go ahead and uh, kick out of here a couple of minutes early do you have anything else you want to talk about no we've we've done we've done rwanda we we've done what i think are false flag operations in in Bukha. and as as horrible as they are i'm not i'm not trying to score any points for mentioning it but i think that's something we all need to think about do soldiers that are pushing forward have time to execute so many people, bury them in a mass grave, each with their hands tied and blindfold still intact? No, uh, I, I think that whole thing is is a false flag. Having said that, I've always maintained from the start of it, there is no good guy in this war. There are only victims. And those victims deserve our help and uh but in in doing so, in being human, in in being uh, in doing the right thing, we are also helping them further their Kalergi plan, that plan to create the zero asset slave race that they want to use to do all their work, all, all all the work that's left, and part of that is being shipped over to Africa. So th- this whole thing links up, uh, and 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 there is a a chain of events and there are dots to join and and it's very obvious what the picture is. Thank you. That's me done. You know, I'm surprised that he didn't bother to mention the most important part of everything. And I know he'll probably click back on here in a second as soon as I say this, but he even got a chance to criticize and quite frankly, just call out the French. I think they've got enough of a problem at the moment trying to get rid of that useless puppet Macron, same as we've got the, the, the problem of getting rid of our useless puppet johnson and the the yeah johnson it there used to be a a um a cartoon uh series on on uh on british children's tv called mr ben and it was about this guy that went to a fancy dress shop every week and he'd try on new costumes and go into the changing room and he'd he'd walk out the door into into that that world in in which he could get to act out whatever costume he had on. So mm. you've got Johnson, who's been uh, a construction worker, a hospital worker, a policeman Warehouse there, worker, yeah. 
warehouse check out. He was so, a vaccination clinic cleaner for a while. He was uh, yeah, he, he's, he's, he <laughs> he's is the embodiment. He's, the, he's a manifestation of of the cartoon character in Mister Ben. Um, but was it one of you two who told me about um, Zelensky sent um, sent Biden uh, a, a text message and it said send dudes. And Biden said, does, does he mean dudes? Does he mean nudes? Is it a misprint? He says, no, 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 I don't want nudes. I need men. We're in a war. No, I was didn't, that, was I didn't you, say that. Was no, that but that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me coming out of Two Scoops Biden. Well, Two Scoops Biden, where his wife has to tell him to wave after he'd finished giving a yeah. speech on a balcony. Uh, I have I have something I'm going to show the two of you. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to relay to the listener what this is, but this is floating around now on social media. Because I am on social media much more than you two are, I have already seen this. Oh, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's sufficiently blurry enough to cast a doubt in the mind, but at the same time, yeah, that looks like him. It does. This is supposedly from the Hunter Biden laptop, and there is supposedly more to come with that because WikiLeaks now possesses it to take the heat off of the Swiss team. So anyway, uh, we are going to have to go. So for those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would humbly ask you to pass this along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. I want to thank you for being here this evening, Bruce. Thank you for being here today, Marty. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Good night, my friends.